You know when you're not sure if you're going to record your podcast and then you just seize the moment? I guess I did. Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversations for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Here's our host, Menachem Poznanski. Hey, Consciously, welcome back. Okay, here we go, here we go, another episode. Are we going to do an episode? Not going to do an episode. Got to seize the moment, got to lean in. Uh, really excited, we're going to talk about that last piece of the mimer from Hillel, Imloach Shav Emesai. We'll do the whole thing. Seize the moment. If not now, when? So uh, we're going to lean in. But first, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast. Not just now, like the whole year, all of you. Uh, if you're new, you want to subscribe, give us five stars, reviews, that's good. But more importantly, share us with your friends. I was talking to someone today, and they told me that they shared an episode with a couple people, and it really helped them. I was like, it was the best thing in the world for me. You know, like uh, doing all this, I'm just like putting out messages and the thought that it's helping people, it really gives me, you know, a lot of highest, a lot of life, a lot of energy, a lot of satisfaction. So um, I, I thank you. Um, check us out on our website, thelightrevealed.org. And also you can check us out on social media, The Light Revealed, at The Light Revealed on Instagram, Facebook. And... Um, and if you want to email us, you can reach us at lightrevealed at tlrfamily.org. Okay, so so it's it's Rosh Hashanah. We're at the end of the new year, if you listen to this on time. Uh, coming towards the end, really we're talking about endings and beginnings in general, but really like reflecting on the significance of Rosh Hashanah, how the Jewish people, how Jewish spirituality guides us in celebrating endings and beginnings and uh, the beginning of the year and the, new, and the end of the year. And really... Not just that, but really kind of how we look at life, you know, because Rosh Hashanah is not just the way we celebrate uh, the new year, the beginning of the of the seasonal calendar, uh, the Jewish calendar. One of the interesting things about the Jewish calendar is that we have multiple New Year's, right? There, there are New Year's for many different themes. Each theme kind of has its own Rosh Hashanah, its own, its own beginning. Uh, we also have Rosh Chodesh, which is every month, and we have Shabbos, which is every week. Right, so it's constantly this kind of renewal, and Pesach is is the uh, is the Rosh Hashanah for uh, for the holidays, so to speak. And Rosh Hashanah is really the new year for the seasons, and um, and and it's very much the the closing of the year that passed, and the opening towards a new year. And the, and the way we do that is with Haserasimei Tshuva. We're really kind of focusing in on clearing up last year in order to open the door towards a new and fresh year, and it also corresponds to the creation or at least celebrating the creation of the world and the formation of the Jewish people, which are two kind of like uh, like powerful moments in our history, right? So you, it's both kind of connecting with the idea of the birth of Yitzchak, who's the first born Jew, right? And then Akedas Yitzchak, which is the fulfillment of that transition of Avram Avinu kind of being given that, 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 uh, that, inheritance to pass on to his children of of uh, Avam Yisrael and Yitzchak Avinu and all that stuff. We, that's what we read on, on Rosh Hashanah. And also, Chafhael classically is one of the days that's identified as possibly the day that God created the world. And Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the seventh month, is the day in which Hashem created, God created uh, humans, man. 
uh, formed man in his image. So that's like a, a lot of the themes of Rosh Hashanah. So, so the question is, how can we seize this moment? What's the perspective? And what I wanted to talk about today, uh, I guess a little bit different than some of the other episodes. I mean, really, this podcast is really just in many ways just an exer- a sharing of my own uh, strength and hope, as they say, you know, just my own perspective. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times the perspectives that I bring are based on, um, you know, ideas, concepts that emerge from literature, from Jewish literature. And, you know, it invariably has my own spin on it, but which I apologize to the writers for all those things if I, you know, mess that up. But but today I really wanted to talk about my own kind of perspective a little bit in this Rosh Hashanah. I've really been trying to like formulate how I think about Rosh Hashanah and, and how I could approach Rosh Hashanah from, I guess, what I would call a spiritual context which to me means moving away from a fear-centric, shame-centric association of morality and religious practice and moving towards a more hopeful, you know, enriched um, perspective that's rooted in an awareness that God loves me and is very proud of me and wants to have compassion for me. And how can I look at the holiday as in a, in a more proactive light instead of kind of like a more uh, judgmental light? And obviously informed by the teachings of Hasidus and my experience working with individuals and, you know, practicing uh, principles around spiritual recovery. So just to share some of that, just a just a perspective, I, I would expect it's going to be short. So I was thinking about Rosh Hashanah a lot. And like, what, what's the message? How can I approach Rosh Hashanah this year differently, maybe, or in a new way that incorporates the things that I've learned in the past and also the things that I've learned this past year? And part of what emerged for me was trying to think about Rosh Hashanah not as a moment where I am again facing my imperfections as an expression of my failure to become my most perfect self, which is, I think, how I really and subtly looked at Rosh Hashanah all along. Like, God wants me to be perfect, and and I don't I am not perfect. So every year comes Rosh Hashanah and I look at the ways in which I'm not perfect, which symbolize the failure that was the year before with, and then depending on how toxic my association was over time, thank God less and less toxic, you know, Rosh Hashanah is an opportunity to kind of like start over and now engage a new path. But when I'm working from that context, part of what I found that I was trying to do or like just thinking about it, and it was all very subtle. I don't think that I would have been able to articulate this before, but now looking back in retrospect, if you can identify with me, if you do, you do. If not, that's fine. Um, It was kind of like not only framed how I looked at the year before, which is like if I didn't meet perfection, then it was a failure. It also framed how I looked at the year to come, which meant that the goal of this coming year and my plans for the coming year and the promises I was making for God, the hachlata, the the commitments that I was making for the coming year were really centered around perfection. And the problem when you operate in that context is that you're never going to reach perfection so that when you, when you approach a, a, an avoda that's focused on trying a, 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 a a practice of spiritual discipline that's focused on trying to be perfect without an expectation of perfection, 
what happens is, is it creates a really dysfunctional environment. Let me give you an example. So one of the things that I've done is counsel people that are have fallen into like bad debts or struggling with their finances. And I learned a principle um, that's partially rooted in how they practice uh, spiritual recovery and debtors anonymous, but also some other things that normally when we look at budgeting, the way we see budgeting is, okay, so I'm spending too much money, so I want to budget. So, and, and there's a subtle attitude in budgeting where the person, or this is how I found it, if you can identify, the person is kind of like, my goal is to spend as little as possible and my budget's going to be how much I have to spend. So subtly, my goal is to spend zero and everything above zero is a splurge. And the problem is, is that when everything above zero is a splurge, so then it's hard to differentiate between healthy splurges and unhealthy splurges, right? Like splurges that are balanced or splurges that are unbalanced because my goal was nothing. So therefore, everything above nothing is a splurge. And then like, how do I differentiate? And then I would end up splurging when it wasn't appropriate. I found similar principles play out with like my my journey towards trying to eat in a way that's enriching and healthy for my body and gives me the energy and strength that I need to accomplish and kind of having a healthy attitude about fitness and health also. And I think there's other applications to this as well. So the shift in consciousness is saying not to say that my goal is to spend no money to budget, to limit my spending, but rather instead as a paradigm shift, and this is like a little bit of an exercise to say, I'm going to, my goal is to spend everything. My goal is to spend everything. The question is, what am I going to spend my money on? Okay. So we can do another episode maybe someday about how that plays itself out in financial management. I find that it's very, very useful, but the point that I'm hinging on here is that that shift in consciousness is often very helpful to people to kind of change their association because spending money doesn't become a splurge. In fact, in the way that I view those things, you should never splurge and you should always spend all of your money. But some of the ways these things you spend money on are things like savings or paying back debts or tzedakah. Those are ways, charity, those are ways that you're spending your money, but you're spending all of your money, right? At the end of the day, I'm not trying to, to, What's the word? Hoard. I'm not trying to hoard my money, right? Because because money is not bad, which is the subtlety with budgeting is that spending money is bad, right? So, but it's a necessary evil, but rather a shift in consciousness where spending money is good. The goal is to spend it well. So it kind of shifts the consciousness and gives it a different context. So similar here, not totally exactly the same, but similar here, when my association of the year is that I'm meant to be perfect, then every... Uh, loss of perfection, every misstep of reality becomes like, becomes a misstep. And then it starts to be hard to differentiate between missteps and non-missteps, right? Because I know that I'm not going to be perfect, which means I'm going to sin. So then how do I differentiate between the sins that are totally unacceptable and the sins that are, that are reasonable to understand occurring because I'm not perfect, Right. So then, but if I shift my perspective and I begin to see Rosh Hashanah as an opportunity, a moment to check in as the imperfect person that I am, and instead to see the progress that I've made despite that imperfection, and now see this as a moment where I can start to move towards a greater sense of fulfillment. The idea of Rosh Hashanah changes and my plans, my hachlatas for the year changes because now it's not that like I'm okay sinning. I'm never okay sinning. I never want to sin. That's not appropriate. I never want to act beneath my ideals. 
I never, I don't want to be, there's a certain part where I want to be as perfect as possible. That's where it kind of deviates the, the metaphor deviates from the financial metaphor. Um, so don't get too intense about it, black and white about it. But however, if I'm focused on an acceptance of my fact of imperfection and then being able to see the way in which as an imperfect human being, I've made progress on my journey towards being a, a more and more perfect expression of myself. Now in my hachlatas, in my commitments for the year to come, my resolutions, I can begin to look at what will further me on that path towards the fulfillment of a complete and total year, a sense that I, I, I fulfilled and completed a great year of a journey of my imperfect self moving towards a greater sense of a perfect reflection of myself. And part of this is a paradigm shift in consciousness that occurs oriented into the 12 steps. Oh, this is taking much longer than I thought it would. In, in, in the 12 steps in step six, you see, step six of the program, and we talked about this earlier in the podcast, uh, step six in, became entirely ready to have God removed all these defects of character. And that can feel very intense. It's like ostensibly saying, became entirely ready to be perfect. Like God's going to, I'm like, I'm, God's going to take away all my defects of character and I'm never going to do anything wrong, which is obviously absurd. We're all imperfect, um, you know, much less somebody who's in the midst of a 12-step process, particularly in the beginning phase, where they know that they have all these liabilities. We all know that we have all these liabilities. So how could I expect to be perfect just because someone overcame their addiction to alcohol or drugs or some other acting out behavior, right? doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to apply that perfection to every area. And sometimes people in recovery really struggle with this and they kind of start to think like, well, I stopped drinking or I stopped using drugs or I stopped acting out. Why can't I just apply that to every area? And, and it's much more subtle. Um, and there's some great literature about that. Bill Wilson, the founder of AA, makes an interesting observation about the difference between, which I believe we talked about on this podcast, uh, the difference between overcoming a liability that will kill you versus overcoming a liability that won't kill you and just being honest about that, right? Which is a separation between a sin that utterly violates my ideals versus a sin that I know is wrong but doesn't kind of uh, touch my core, right? And now that's overcoming those two, two, two sins inherently is different, right? There's a certain cognitive dissonance that comes along with overcoming sins that are kind of hit me to the core versus, um, meaning that don't hit me to the core versus sins that hit me to the core. So then what's the implication of step six, right? Entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And in that same essay, Bill Wilson says a really, really powerful thing about what the perfectionism, healthy, holy perfectionism perhaps is. Lahavdil, just to draw draw in, but it's just such a, a beautiful idea. I just wanted to share it with you. What he explains is that step six is not a move toward perfection, but rather a full willingness to never say never. To not place limits on where the journey will carry me. So as we're coming towards this, to kind of orient this towards uh, Jewish spirituality, as we're coming to this moment of, of, of Rosh Hashanah, perhaps the holy part of us, which is the holy recognition that Rosh Hashanah is an opportunity for accountability of where we're not perfect, where we're not allowing our imperfection to become an excuse to misbehave, is where we say, now is a moment where we're willing to engage the journey towards perfection, without necessarily expecting it to happen, but an acknowledgement to God that we're willing to be as perfect 
as he would he might have us be, and that we're willing to now take the steps necessary within the context of our limitation and the realities of the universe to become who we're meant to be. So in this context, Rosh Hashanah is really an opportunity to see what's still ahead, to see what we have to work on within the confines of our limitations and within the confines of our realities. Yet there's another component to this whole thing because Rosh Hashanah now in this mindset is also an opportunity to check back in and see what we've actually accomplished in the past. Meaning it's not about what's necessarily ahead, but really how much progress we have made, yet also an opportunity to clear our insides out so that we can leap into the new year with a new and fresh attitude, with a new and fresh experience, like utterly unencumbered by the past. So Rosh Hashanah is kind of holding these three spaces. It's on the one hand, a move towards the future. On the other hand, it's a reflection on the past to see the progress that we made, a point of reference where we can look back to where we were a year ago and realize how much has changed for us, how much we've evolved and grown as people. Um, And that's not necessarily about performance in terms of our behavior, but even more so about the evolution and maturity of ourselves, and yet also an opportunity to open ourselves up, which is the whole idea of tshuva, and as that moves from Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah as the first two days of the Aseris Yimei Tshuva, 10 days of repentance, towards Yom Kippur, which is the ultimate fulfillment of the 13 principles of compassion of God that we say again and again and again in this time of year, the final one is Vinake, that, that this whole process of tshuva is really about opening ourselves up in order that we can have a fresh and new attitude, a fresh and new experience, unencumbered by the past, to be kind of freed from the past, to have learned from our history, which is God's story, his story, right? To learn from that story and to think about the unlimited uh, opportunity ahead of us to become the person that we're meant to be. And this is really a practice, a spiritual practice, I think, for me, this is kind of what I've been thinking about, of embracing life and the Jewish year as a journey of personal recovery and as a journey of fulfillment, fulfillment of ourselves, fulfillment of our mission, and a journey towards utter inf- the other infinite, which is that perfection that's beyond us. See, part of what I'm really adding here in this component is what's called a mamtik dinim, to like sweeten the judgment. In the beginning of the episode, I talked about the destructive nature of the perfectionism, that kind of underlying premise that I'm supposed to be perfect and that Rosh Hashanah is about identifying where I wasn't perfect, where I'm moving towards perfection. And there can be a part of that that can be very toxic and unholy, but the question is, where's the good part of that? And that's really kind of been underlying a lot of the message here. The good part of that is the awareness that the part of me that wants to move towards perfection is the part of me that wants to be in contact with the utter perfection that is the infinite light of God, right? So that Rosh Hashanah really is whether I'm going to be perfect in behavior, whether I'm going to become the ideal version of myself in a year from now is not even the point. It's absurd for me to think that I would be, maybe, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, We'll see, you know, see what life brings me. If I'm, if the journey's done this year, then the journey's done. And if it's not done, then I still have more to go. But the point is that without a doubt, this year, this year of a journey of recovery, of spiritual recovery and a journey of fulfillment is a journey towards my truest, truest self, which is perfection, which is Hashem. 
So I want to just invite everyone that's listening to just take a moment to seize this moment. Whether you're listening to this tonight, the night before Rosh Hashanah, you listen to it tomorrow, the day before Rosh Hashanah. Um, maybe you're listening to it after Rosh Hashanah has already passed. Maybe it's sometime next week, or maybe it's sometime at a different time of the year. But really just to take a moment, to take a deep breath, and to really take in the moment that you're in as a moment of Mamutsa, a connecting point between the year that's passed and the year that's coming. It's a connecting point between a place of acceptance, of full acceptance, and an embrace of self, and an embrace of missionhood, and as well as an embrace of the privilege that we have to live a life of humanity, B'Tselem Elohim, in the image of God, and with the opportunity for fulfillment of a God's utter desire, as Chazal, as the rabbis teach us, to have a dear betachtonim, to have a dwelling space in the world below, to manifest tikkun in the world, right, to bring a sense of harmony and peace and love to the world, to move the world towards a greater sense of fulfillment of its mission. And that is our privilege as people, and that we are both moving from a place of imperfection and imperfectly walking a path towards a perfect fulfillment that is a revelation of God in the darkest space, which means even along with the bumps that we have. So that's my message for the end of the year. Let's take a moment, take a deep breath, to really seize this moment, this point of reflection, this point of inflection, this point of transition, of, of recognizing that we are on a journey, a journey of recovery, a journey of fulfillment, and a journey towards the utter infinite one. And that, and how fortunate we are to be on that journey, first of all, here together, the Consciously family, um, but also the journey with our personal families, our broader families, um, and part of the families, the, the, the families that we've chosen, that we are a part of, and that we have the, uh, the opportunity to be a part of. Um, I want to wish you a chsiva v'chsima tova, shana tova, metuka, shanas bracha v'atzlacha, should all experience only joy in all revealed ways. Thank you for joining the Consciously family. Consciously is brought to you by The Light Revealed, a social media publisher bringing messages of Jewish spirituality and recovery to whoever is looking for them. Consciously is made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family in memory of Tzipporah Bas Ravaram. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review and subscribe wherever else you get your podcasts. We love connecting with you, so please check out our website, thelightrevealed.org. Feel free to email us at thelightrevealed at tlrfamily.org. Our producer is Morty Schwartz. Our social media content team is Zoe Poznanski and Tehilo Nassanian. The assistant to the regional co-host is Shmaya Hanekman, and our music is by Eitan Katz featuring Zusha. Thank you for joining, and we wish you the most blessed day in only revealed ways. Awesome.